Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. You know, the advantage of uh, having a podcast on a weekly basis is that it allows me to sometimes do a, a deep dive on some very specific topics. Today's podcast is one in which I think uh, has a much broader appeal, something that just about everybody may want to listen to rather closely. Uh, hi, everybody. Jim Mitchell back with you again. And if you're a taxpayer, which uh, hopefully most of us are, the topic we're going to cover today might be one that can be of real value as we discuss the Taxpayer Advocate Service this is a very unique entity that, uh, as hopefully we'll explain today, is designed to assist taxpayers who might be having some problems resolving issues with the IRS. Uh, joining me for the discussion is one of the people I call on for assistance with topics like this, Attorney Joshua Nesser of Lavelle Law Limited. Uh, Joshua has been a, a very key contributor to the series in the past, and I uh, look forward to talking with him today. Uh, I think he's going to add a great deal to our conversation. So. Uh, Joshua, first of all, welcome back to Chicago's Legal Latte. Thanks for having me, Jim. Good to be back. Um, the, the taxpayer advocate is something that I, I was made aware of uh, quite some time ago. Uh, I was able to learn a lot about it, yet I don't think most people are really aware of, of what it is. Can you give us a little bit about what it is and the purpose of the taxpayer advocate? Yeah, so the taxpayer advocate service, it's considered an independent office, but it's actually part of the IRS and it's under the supervision of somebody called the Taxpayer Advocate, who is an appointed official and who reports directly to the Commissioner of, the, of Internal Revenue, who, of course, is the head of the IRS. So what the Advocate does is basically act as an ombudsman within the IRS, um, identifying problems and proposing solutions to those problems, and it's responsible for assisting taxpayers in resolving certain problems with the IRS, such as financial hardships, significant costs and delays, lack of communication from the IRS, just anything where somebody is not getting the relief they need from the IRS and needs help by kind of a somewhat independent third party. Uh, they have offices throughout throughout the United States, including downtown Chicago and in Springfield, Illinois. Um, so they're local for people that need assistance. And I think what brought them up today is that the Taxpayer Advocate annually presents a report to Congress that's, that identifies some of the more systemic problems within the IRS and, and proposes changes to the IRS, to its administration, to its practices and procedures that can help to resolve those. So recently that, that report was presented to Congress. Yeah, exactly right, and that, uh, that did catch our attention. And um, I know that's, uh, as you mentioned, an annual event. We've talked about it a few times in the past. Have you seen the 2015 report or a summary? Can you tell us any of the key issues that might have stood out to you? Yeah, there were. There, it seems like there were three key issues that the advocate focused on and really suggested that the IRS fix. Um, the biggest, actually, suggested that Congress fix the report to Congress. The biggest issue the the advocate identified was budgetary restrictions on the IRS, um, which I'm sure we can get into a little bit later. But those are going to have significant significant impacts on the IRS's workforce and the level of service that taxpayers can expect from the IRS. A second big issue that the advocate addressed was Congress's failure to pass laws codifying the 2014 Taxpayer Bill of Rights that was enacted by the IRS. And uh, a third area that the advocate identified and something our office had a lot of issues with is the IRS's inconsistent use of penalties 
using penalties for more punitive reasons than to encourage compliance, which is their stated purpose. Interesting. Now, and, and a couple of those things I, I certainly want to circle back to and, and get into the, the details of. But just to be clear, um, with these recommendations that go to Congress, does Congress then determine whether or not they'll take action and you know move to, to the IRS to apl- actually implement some of the suggestions? Yeah, I think it's just it's similar to any other report that's issued to Congress. It's up to them to then take these recommendations. Possibly they go before some committee and determine whether they're going to act on them, how they're going to act on them, and then obviously you've got to go through the procedures of getting laws passed if they decide to do so. Uh, but the, the report is not necessarily anything that requires Congress to act. It's more of a suggestion that we would all hope they would act on to at least some degree. Okay. Now, I do recall you mentioned, you know, some some budgetary issues and it seems to me it's, you know, been several years now since since the IRS took a took a bit, bit of a hit during the budgeting process and um as I recall that led to fewer IRS agents or uh fewer points of contact within the IRS. Have have taxpayers uh, been impacted either, you know, positively or I assume potentially negatively by those budget constraints? They certainly have, and according to the advocate, it's only going to get worse. Um, a lot of people will hear that the IRS isn't going to need as much money as it used to, and they're going to think, okay, well, there's less people collecting, less people knocking on my door. That's a good thing, but it's not always the case. Um, what the advocate stated that is in 2015, taxpayers are likely to receive the worst level of service from the IRS they've received since 2001, which is when there were some sweeping changes in the IRS, certain another Bill of Rights was enacted to protect taxpayers. So obviously that's, that's alarming. Um, and that is mostly due to the budgetary restrictions that we discussed. The IRS has had to reduce its staffing levels. This is leaving employees overworked, um, and it's had to reduce the training available to its employees. So when you are able to work with somebody, you're not getting the level of service you require and sometimes getting inaccurate information. Um, One thing the advocate said that when people call the IRS, which is probably people's number one line of communication with the IRS, at least half of those calls are going to go unanswered, and people that do eventually speak to a representative can expect to wait for at least a half an hour. And then when they do finally talk to somebody, of course, they might be talking to somebody who is overworked, undertrained, and really isn't going to give them the information and um, advice that they need. Um, not not a good situation at all, and it can certainly lead to, to other issues and problems that we may talk about here in just a minute. Let me remind our listeners, uh, certainly always welcome to have them with us here in Chicago's Legal Latte. We spend a little time each week uh, discussing a particular legal topic, and today it's attorney Joshua Nesser of Lavelle Law who's here. Uh, we're talking about the Taxpayer Advocate Service, and, and particularly a report presented by the advocate uh, to Congress in recent weeks. Um, Joshua is an experienced tax law attorney, and uh, his input is always very valuable. And, and just as a, a brief example, Josh, just to take us off topic here for a minute, I, I follow your work on LavelleLaw.com. I reference that uh, site a lot to listeners. Uh, and I notice that um, you, on a regular basis, post a, a monthly newsletter there on IRS practice and procedure. Just give us a quick recap of what that's about in case listeners want to find out more about that. Yeah, so one of our goals is is to keep our clients and whoever's paying attention up to date on the most kind of recent developments within federal and state tax issues. Uh, One way we do that is by publishing that monthly article, which really tries to highlight three recent cases or sometimes non-case developments uh, that have happened either with respect to federal taxation or state taxation and kind of explain the impact that has on taxpayers, on our clients, on our listeners. So it's a good database of, of 
of recent cases, recent changes to case law, and the impact that might have on everyone. So sometimes somebody might be looking through that and find somebody that hits their situation. It'll kind of spin their wheels a little bit, and they can call us to get more information about about the change we're identifying. Yeah, great resource at labellelaw.com and uh, also many other articles and all of our podcasts there as well. So um, appreciate the update on that. Now, as, as we talk about our topic for today, a couple minutes ago you mentioned the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, and it sounded like um, there may be several iterations of this, uh, the most recent of which is uh, you know stuck in limbo, for lack of a better term. Tell us what's going on there. Yeah, so every so often, and I referenced the 2001 Taxpayer Bill of Rights, every so often the IRS enacts or updates its own Bill of Rights, which basically, as I'm sure people can guess, is, is 10 core concepts they want to make sure taxpayers understand they have these rights, very basic rights that taxpayers need to know they have when dealing with the IRS. Um, and in 2014, the IRS did, in fact, enact a new Bill of Rights. And just to a quick overview of those rights, they're, they're pretty simple. The right to be informed, the right to quality service, the right to pay no more than the correct amount of tax, the right to challenge the IRS's position and to be heard, the right to appeal an IRS decision in an independent forum, the right to finality, the right to privacy, the right to confidentiality, the right to representation, and the right to a fair and just tax system. So obviously real basic rights that every taxpayer should should have available to them and they should know about. Uh, the problem is that Congress has not yet codified this Bill of Rights, meaning turned it into statute, turned it into law, and the advocates suggestion is that needs to be done because while it's great to have the IRS say we guarantee you these rights, it's not really guaranteed unless it's a law. And, and so far, while it's been kicked around in Congress, Congress has not been able to take that final action to take these basic simple rights and one way or another turn them into a law that really guarantees these protections for taxpayers. And, and in terms of protections, you also uh, mentioned a little bit earlier, kind of raised a red flag about the IRS ability to whether it's ability or the process by which they assess penalties. Uh, what, what's the taxpayer advocate concern in that area? Uh, mostly that penalties are being used in an inconsistent manner and not in the manner they were they were created for. Uh, the advocate noted that in the last, I don't know, 30 or 40 years, there have gone it's gone from 20 sections in the Internal Revenue Code dealing with penalties to more than 100 sections in the Internal Revenue Code dealing with penalties. And this obviously makes the system much more complicated. And the real problem with it, and especially the problem that we experience, is that it's a very subjective analysis. So when you're requesting penalty abatement, you need to show generally that, that you were doing everything you needed to do. There was reasonable cause for what happened that, that caused you to not comply with your tax obligations. And it's a, it's a subjective thing. It's a lot about your particular facts and circumstances. And the problem is a lot of times you'll request a penalty abatement with the IRS. Two representatives will look at the exact same set of circumstances and will come to a different conclusion, which doesn't really help. It makes the IRS's response less predictable. Uh, it's not good for anybody. And also penalties that were created to encourage compliance. And the advocate is concerned that really penalties are just being used to punish now rather than to encourage compliance which is not why they were put there in the first place. So the advocate wants a, a better, more rigid system in place that, that kind of ensures consistency and wants penalties to be redesigned in a way that's less punitive. Uh, I think that would benefit everybody, especially taxpayers who are going through issues with the IRS. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, you painted kind of a bleak picture of, of trying to deal with the IRS uh, based on their workload and capacities at this point. 
if someone is seeking uh, support from the taxpayer advocate, is there a particular process or form, or how do they get in touch with, with the advocate service to try and get some resolution? Uh, there's a few ways to go about it. Like I said, there's there's a local office in Chicago. You can always uh, call them or visit them. Their contact information is available online. There's also a main national taxpayer advocate office that you can call into. Um, when you want to submit a formal request, you use what's called a Form 911, which is available online and can be submitted directly to the taxpayer advocate. And you can just pay them a visit directly. Uh, keep in mind, though, the, the taxpayer advocate is part of the IRS, so unfortunately they're going through a lot of the same staff restrictions the IRS is. So they may not be as responsive as you would like them to be, but, but in our experience they are helpful. They do get involved and try, try to take you through channels at the IRS that you otherwise would not have access to. And it's probably not the first stop someone should make. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but it sounds like if you've got a tax issue that there's probably other resources, not unlike your services or others. Uh, you know, if someone does have a tax issue of some sort, is that the best place to start, or do they should they work with a tax attorney or their accountant to try and make sure they've got a clear understanding of what's going on first? Our suggestion is always always contact your CPA, your attorney first, um, let them get a handle with what's going on, and let them communicate with the IRS on your behalf. Just like other legal issues, you want communications to go through your attorney who understands the best way to state things and understands what you should and should not be saying and understands kind of what rules the IRS has to play by so it can make sure they're following those rules. If once your attorney or your accountant is, is communicating with the IRS, if there's still some level of disconnect, then let them get the advocate service involved and then you kind of have two different sides working on your behalf. But definitely, your first stop should definitely be your attorney, your accountant, or even both. Okay. Um, well, Joshua Nesser has been our guest, and for a 15-minute time slot, uh, we certainly have been, I think, very productive and informative today. So um, my thanks to uh, Joshua, um, and uh, as always, the folks from Lavelle Law who stopped by here to, uh, to share their information. Uh, you can get updates on uh, this and many other topics at LavelleLaw.com. Um, whether you're looking for articles, podcasts, videos, or just contact information. And, uh, of course, uh, if the Taxpayer Advocate Service is something that's of interest to you, as you heard Josh say, maybe talk to your accountant or legal representative first and uh, see if you can get the issue resolved. Uh, as always, we're very pleased to have you stop by here each week. Uh, we look forward to providing more information on new legal topics each and every week, and we hope you'll join us for that. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.